Jambase Podcast listeners. I'm Andy Kahn, and thanks for checking in on this episode of the Jambase Podcast. We welcome back Eric D. Johnson for another interview with the Fruit Bats frontman. Eric and I spoke recently about the fantastic new Fruit Bats album, A River Running to Your Heart, which is out now on Merge Records. Eric also recalled the time he performed what he considers his worst show ever. We'll get to that interview in a moment, right after hearing about this episode's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Topeka Live. Topeka connects you with your favorite artists and people through meaningful shared music experiences in Miramar Beach, Florida. Enjoy a new kind of music vacation. Spend days at the beach and nights listening to music in your reserved coves. 2023 vacations include Moon Crush Pink Moon, taking place April 20th through the 23rd. Moon Crush Pink Moon is a music vacation that lets you embrace the sun at the beach, by the pool, or enjoy your favorite activities. Performers include the Black Crows, the Avid Brothers, Jason Isbell, JJ Gray and Mofro, and more. Mothership Weekend is Mother's Day reinvented. Spend Mother's Day at the beach for Brandy Carlisle's Mothership Weekend from May 12th through the 14th. Celebrating the mothers, the impact makers, and the people who love you like a mother, watch performances by Brandy Carlisle, Hosier, Bonnie Raitt, Mavis Staples, Nathaniel Rateliff, and more. Moon Crush Blue Moon goes down from September 1st through the 3rd. Savor the last sweet days of summer at the beach and live your best life with Ben Rector, Need to Breathe, and many others this Labor Day weekend at the inaugural Moon Crush Blue Moon. Visit Topeka.live for details and to purchase tickets to Moon Crush Pink Moon, Mothership Weekend, and Moon Crush Blue Moon today. Delfest is the sponsor of this episode. Delfest is Allegheny County's premier bluegrass festival, celebrating the rich legacy of Del McCurry with some of the best-known names in bluegrass music, all within a family-friendly and distinctly unique atmosphere. Taking place Memorial Day weekend, May 25th through the 28th, and hosted by Del McCurry and family, the 15th annual Delfest welcomes to the stage the Del McCurry Band, the Traveling McCurries, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, Trampled by Turtles, Pigeons Playing Ping Pong, Sam Bush, The Infamous String Dusters, California Honey Drops, Sierra Farrell, Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway, and so many more musical acts playing around the clock for nearly four days. Located along the Potomac River in the scenic Appalachian Mountains, the Allegheny County Fairgrounds in Cumberland, Maryland, serve as the ideal location for Delfest. The fairgrounds are conveniently located near four major airports and can be easily reached by rail or road. For more information, including camping, parking, partners, and more, please visit Delfest.com and follow Delfest on all social platforms. Spend Memorial Day weekend with the Del McCurry Band at Delfest 2023. Grab your tickets today. Pardon me if I sound a little tired today. I was up late last night watching the Fish live stream from the Greek Theater in Berkeley, California. It was worth missing some sleep in order to catch that 43-minute tweezer. Some really incredible stuff happened within that tweezer jam, which now sits as the fifth longest jam in the band's 40-year history. Ryan Storm wrote about the first Greek show for Jambase. Be sure to check that out and recaps of every fish show via the Jambase Fish the Skinny Hub. Supported by our friends at Eagle's Nest Outfitters, the Skinny has rundowns of each concert, set lists, stats, and everything else you need to stay on top of all things fish doer. At the time I'm recording this, there are two more shows at the Greek left, which will be followed by a three-night run at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles this weekend. After two successful shows in Seattle to start the tour, and the magnificent tweezer that highlighted night one at the Greek, Fish's Spring Tour 2023 is off to an impressive start. I was also really impressed with the new Fruit Bats album, A River Running to Your Heart, which I mentioned came out last week on Merge Records. The album is the 10th Fruit Bats album released by Eric D. Johnson, who's also credited with producing the record, along with engineer Jeremy Harris. I asked Eric about taking the reins and self-producing the album, which is technically a first for him, and how that might have influenced the recording sessions. We discussed the recurring themes of space and place and how the influence of geography repeatedly surfaced throughout the album. 
Eric was preparing to set out on tour with Fruit Bats. I highly recommend catching them in concert if you can. And we dug into his approach for translating what he does in the studio for the live stage. We ended the chat with a worst show ever segment. Eric told me about a Fruit Bats performance in Seattle in the mid-2000s that was particularly painful to get through. An utterly indifferent audience of record store employees, Thai fusion food being served for dinner, and the Postal Service receiving a gold record are just a few of the circumstances that led to it being his worst show ever. Be sure to stick around to the end to hear that wild memory. So now for the third time on the Jam Bass Podcast, here's my interview with Eric D. Johnson of Fruit Bats, which will lead into with a bit of the A River Running to Your Heart single, Russian River Valley. D. Johnson, who joins us again from Fruit Bats. This is his third appearance on the Jam Bass Podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you today about your new album, A River Running to Your Heart. And we're also going to have some fun talking about your worst show ever. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. So, I got I got so, a, such a good one. <laughs> awesome. I'm, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll start with, uh, with the new record, uh, A River Running to Your Heart. As I mentioned, it's coming out on Merge Records on April 14th. It's your 10th full-length album as Fruit Bats. Yeah. Congratulations. That's That in and of itself is a, an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have like a, my perspective on it is like weird. So yeah, it's it's 10. 10 is I a lot. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a nice round number. It's significant. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it's also being billed as your first self-produced album. Do you consider it your first self-produced album? I mean, you know, I am always, uh, it, that's, it's so hard to say like what that even means. I mean, I definitely, uh -huh. I did the Smashing Pumpkins record, which was again, kind of like this, um, was supposed to be this kind of diversion on a lark thing. And like uh -huh. it only, when it came out, did I realize that it was like a real album and like, <laughs> and probably cause it was so weird that like, but it was like, it was kind of the beautiful thing of like, I just sort of did it thinking no one would hear it. And then it was like, it became this kind of like pretty successful thing. Yeah. Um, I think again, maybe people just needed, I don't know. I don't, re I guess people needed uh, a remake of sign. <laughs> but like uh, it th I thought it, maybe it would just be a fun little thing that you discover at the fruit bats merch table or something. But, uh -huh, uh, uh -huh. but um, so uh, that was a bit of like a proof of concept of like, uh, and like, again, I had done a lot of things, but I was like, I could do a whole one of these. And actually if I, and that, that was all just done in like a guest bedroom. I was like, if I had a nice studio at my fingertips and a talented engineer, and, um, I was like, I'd probably make a pretty cool record and uh, uh, produce records for other people too. So in the past, so it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't completely like a new experience for me, but yeah, it's like the first one where it's like the, an ambitious full length, real studio with uh with me as producer yeah 
and and nobody else sort of playing that same similar producer role. Right? I ended up getting the the engineer Jeremy Harris that I used, who had sort of been hired as an engineer. I gave him a co-producer credit because he was like, uh-huh. it, it was just like it, it, he was so great, and like I really. I came to think of him as an incredible advisor too. So, um, yeah. What was your relationship with Jeremy before the project? He had played in the band Vetiver and like I had, uh-huh. I sort of went through a stint in uh, Vetiver, like touring with Vetiver around 2015. So we were, we were tour mates, uh-huh. got to be friends and, um, he's done a lot of cool work, uh, up there. And he's sort of this studio in Stinson beach, California, which is like one of the most beautiful places on earth and, uh, and a studio that's like, um, probably most famous for my morning jacket, the waterfall a few years back, but, um, okay. yeah. So it, it's, and it's called panoramic house. Panoramic I, I, house. Yeah. Is that a clever name or is it as beautiful as it sounds? <laughs> oh, it's as beautiful as it sounds. And you'll see, you can see, you'll see pictures of when people put it up too. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's called panoramic house cause it's on panoramic highway. Um, oh, okay. but also it really is a panoramic house. You're the view when you're tracking is literally like the Crescent Bay of Stinson beach and, and out to the Farallon islands. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's stunning. Do you think that setting influenced the the sound or the content of the new record? Yeah, I do. I, it's like, um, I always, you know, and you don't, you can't just like lean on something like that either and be like, we yeah. go somewhere magical. It's going to be perfect or whatever. It's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like, and, uh, but, um, no, because, you know, and I do a lot of writing in the studio too. Usually like I, co- I come in with a bunch of songs, but then it's always like the process starts to sort of inform uh, like newer songs and will we'll yeah. sort of crop up. So you get these kind of new ones. So yeah, there's like, um, I mean, it's like the crux of this record is a little bit about like evocative locations and like sort of sense memory of geography. So being in a, a geographical location that is uh not only beautiful, but also makes you feel very small in the world because you have this massive ocean and these mountains all around you. It was like, uh, yeah, I think it had an effect. So your last record, Pet Parade, when we talked about it, you you mentioned that was mostly recorded remotely. Yes, uh, I, I I imagine for this time around, you were able to to you know gather musicians in the studio together. Yes, yeah, and so it was like that was really fun, and it's kind of like I don't often do there hasn't been a lot of records where I, because I think I kind of come from this like stoner four track back, like sort of bedroom Mm -hmm. thing, even my bigger sounding, more ambitious records in a way, they're very like tinkery and studio and kind of one person at a time. So, um, this is one of my first records. Uh, you know, I've had a few that ruminant band was like this too, but like where it really started off with like a real rhythm section on the floor and, and actually like sort of jamming, jamming on the floor, like full band stuff to start and then sort of built from there. It's funny you mentioned that. I feel like this album is almost like ruminant band with like a fresh coat of paint. It's like there it's you, but there's something fresh and new about it. And, and I think maybe it does come from that more like fuller band process. Yeah. And Ruminant Band was that. And also Ruminant Band was a huge reboot for me too. It's just sort of like stylistically and emotionally. So um, I thought a lot about Ruminant Band when I was making this, where I was like, I'm, I'm glad that you said that and heard that too. And it's obviously you don't want to like, Oh, I just rehashed one of my old records, but it's like, it's, it's a little bit like, um, like, yeah, it's, I I was taking that as a, as a bit of a a thing to think about. It's just like, um, yeah the vibe of that record did 
did having the role of, of, of producer and self-producing change the recording process then beyond just what we just discussed? Like did, did having that sort of hat, having to wear that hat change your sort of actual approach when it came time to lay down the tracks? No, it was just easier because <laughs> there okay. was kind of huddling like and 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 again that's always really important to have a producer to be like no I think you should do that you know like and mm -hmm. usually I have my producer relationships are great too and I yeah I also know worked with some doing. really awesome ones yeah yeah work with some great ones I, I like I thought about all the like I was like what would Josh Kaufman do in this uh -huh. situation what would Tom Monahan do what would Brian Deck do you know all yeah. the great people that I've worked with so I've learned I, basically like I have like a master's degree in making records at this point just from sheer length and and working with these insanely talented awesome brilliant people so um yeah it was more just like it was a little more um stealthy and uh and and like fast because uh -huh. there just wasn't and again not that i was just like i guess i'm just flying blind here but it was like there's no there was no huddling that needed to be done it was sort of just like if an idea came through it's just like there it is and you just did it so so that sounds like it was fairly freeing to the process, but was there ever a time that that became burdensome? Was there ever a time when you wish you had somebody to huddle with? No. <laughs> and that, that, right. was, that was like also where Jeremy came in too. And why I, why okay. I gave him a co-producer credit too. Cause there was like, like I was, I became very, uh, and he, he was totally ready to just hang back and just twist knobs if need be, but like he has cool taste and, and like, you know, it was, I, I was bouncing stuff off of him for sure. Did you come into the project with certain instrumentation in mind? Like, like I think in like synths or, or the pedal steel that shows up, was that intentional from the onset? I mean, there's a absolutely dope collection of synths at that place. So I was like, there's no way I'm not using like all of these <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds um, like it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we did. Um, so, and then, yeah, and I was I was also excited about the notion of just like a rhythm section for the first time on the floor to really like um uh -huh, like uh -huh. where you're just like um because my music's very maximalist in a lot of ways and this record is no exception but also like it's the type of thing where if you can actually get a bass player and a drummer and me on guitar or scratch guitar and vocals or something like on mm -hmm. the floor and you could like there's the song right there. Like if you can hear it already, then everything else yeah. is kind of just gravy, you know, rather than the, like, I'm taking this long, slow adventure building up from a drum machine or something like that, which is, I also love that too. Cause it's a, always a surprising journey, but it was, it was, it was fun just actually having space and drums, you know, to start with. So it sounds like it, like it streamlined the process for you a yeah. little bit. It gave, yeah, gave it you kind fast. of a direction. We, we it's, did the first session was like three days and i said we would i was like it would be cool if we got one song or even just some vibe ideas <laughs> that was like my <laughs> first thing and then we did like seven so we did like two-thirds of the record got oh, done wow. so then i was like oh now we're like off to the races here too so mm -hmm. I, had, I had i set the goals really low um just being like and i don't nice. want to like burn a bunch of money or whatever but like um but i was also like I don't know what this is going to be like. So, um, uh -huh. cause you never know. Um, but yeah, it was like, it ended up being crazy. And then it just was like, I was so ahead by the time I got back there.
when you know when you got there, you I you you had some songs to work off of, and oh, yeah. and as you and as you mentioned, you, you you tend to have songs that you bring in, and then you have songs that you develop during the recording process. Uh, that's what you you mentioned doing that for Pet Parade, and 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 you mentioned it a minute ago for this record. What was sort of the the pre existing songs? How many of those did you have going into it? That's a good question. I want to say six or seven, you know, like okay. enough, like you want to, I, I'm enough of a, it's like, I want to vibe out and feel my way through things, but I also don't want to come in not having done my homework because I, I sort of yeah. like learned that in my younger days. Like you can't do that. <laughs> like there's, <laughs> there really is a clock that's ticking yeah. through and, and like, and money that's, that's yours <laughs> that you're spending. It feels like it's label money, but it's not, it's a recoupable expense, you know? So like yep, I have yep. a little it's bit a of loan. Like, yeah, it's a loan. I, and I've got a little bit of like a working class mentality on that yeah. too. And, and just like work, you know, do your work. Um, so yeah, I came in with like, I don't know, maybe six or seven songs, give or take. Um, so, and then, um, yeah. And then we ended up just like, instead of maybe I was like, maybe we'll do one and we'll do some weird jams that kind of will lead to something. We ended up doing like all of those and a bunch of weird jams <laughs> too, which was fun. <laughs> That's cool. It does seem like one song seems to inform the next. Yeah. And, and there is there, this is maybe, maybe the most singularly conceptual fruit bats album that you've done. There there's, there's definitely the recur recurring theme of, of, of travel and space and place. Was that something that that had materialized from the onset again, or 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 did you find that during the recording process? I'm starting to find my later records are all just kind of talking to each other too, and are it's like yeah. there are different preoccupations that maybe would crop up on one record that I'm like, okay, and now I need to like follow the thread of that for the next one, and the next one's going to be kind of about that. There was there was sort of like this preoccupation with like space and emotional space and and like um sort of like sense of place had been had kind of been happening on like gold past life and on mm -hmm. too but i was just mm -hmm. like so this is like yeah you can sort of get this one idea that it's like i it is like it's starting to be the fruit bats multiverse for sure you know like where the, the songs are starting to talk to each other a little yeah. bit and like inform them uh inform like the next record so um but yeah i think this probably is my most <clears throat> albumy album in a while and it's partly because I'm the producer too. And I'm, I was able to like, there are certain, just certain ideas, like some of the interstitial pieces and stuff, which is always like, you always say you're going to do that. And then you don't mm -hmm. do it. And I was just kind of like, I can do whatever I want <laughs> on this. Yeah. And again, not that producers have ever stifled me, but it's like a, it's, it's a collaboration and they, you know, like you have to, you're kind of like writing their ideas too. So um, yeah, this is like, you know, designed to have some banging singles too, but like to be an album, the album. And there's, there's a lot of crossfades on this. And like my first one where I had to do radio edits of things. Cause it's like, Oh, it's one song bleeding into the other. And yeah. And, and was the, the, the use of specific places like Tacoma shows up Los Angeles. There's the play on words with the Russian river Valley. How did you, why did you want to incorporate those specific places and how did those specific places get selected for sort of representing it, it, this concept of space in, in some way? <clears throat> I don't know. Like the, it's it, Tacoma is actually a really old song that, uh, okay. that had been funnily enough, like 
I had a really like when I first was working with Merge, that was like a demo that they actually really liked. And um, and then when I did Gold Past Life, Tom Monahan was like, eh, didn't like the song <laughs> so much. And then when I did Pet Parade, I brought it to Josh and he's like, eh. and uh, so I was like, I was like, maybe I'm the maybe I'm the only producer for that one. And I, I'm, I'm really sort of happy about that song. I was like my first place when I like moved in with my now wife, like to the West coast, we lived in this like weird little cool, strange apartment in Tacoma, Washington. Okay. So Tacoma is a little bit like, um, it's a bit of a like spiritual place for me in a way. And it is a weird town. It's kind of a deep, it's, it's as Pacific Northwesty deep cut of a place as you can get. Yes. Even, really cool. It's starting to get really cool there now. It too. Is, yeah. I, I used to live in Seattle, so I'm fairly familiar with it, but yeah. it, it, and, and my note here is, is what happened in Tacoma? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like, how does that place sort of rise to, to, to be of prominence? And, and it, it sounds like it does have a special place. It's, it's about the Pacific Northwest, you know, like with Tacoma yeah. kind of like the avatar of it. But like, mm -hmm. I, I wrote it when we first moved to Los Angeles and I think it was just like a brokenhearted love song to, mm -hmm. to the place that I had like, um, really like connected to. And, and like, like I'm a, I'm a Northwesterner in a lot of ways at this point. Like, yeah. Like, um, so I, yeah, I think I got, um, I got a little misty over missing home and, uh, and I wrote that. Yeah. Funnily enough, like waking up in Los Angeles is the same love song to LA that I wrote too. When we, we moved away from there for a while, we're actually back. But um, uh -huh. yeah, so, and then I, with that song, I was like, I wrote a um, sort of a, an intro, uh, a disclaimer is my only song I ever wrote a disclaimer <laughs> on the top of where I was just, cause LA is such a thing, you know, like, yes, I was just sort of like, I was thinking about Los Angeles in a much more heartfelt and kind of like homespun way but like obviously when you mention la it sort of represents a lot of things to a lot of people mm -hmm. and i'm like mm -hmm. i'm not talking about like boulevard of broken dreams i'm just sort of talking about this place that i enjoy waking up in but i was like why don't you you apply that to your own place so yeah that's that's just sort of like about the place that makes you feel good well, there's a line in that song geographic you, you sing geographically specific but could apply yeah. to anywhere yeah. And that to me is almost the the thesis for the album. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. Uh, and and it, it, so that was a feeling you're trying to convey, like that, that, you know, home is where you make it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. And it's like, like more even. Yes. Like that would be the kind of homespun way uh -huh. of saying it. But in a way it's like, yeah, it's probably even like broader than that. But like. Um, and I just, I also like the idea with that song, which I sort of did on the pet parade, like started off the pet parade album this way was this like really acts actually talking directly <laughs> to uh -huh. people, like sort of referencing the audience, like in a way yeah. of like, hello. Um, so I like that, but yeah, it's like, um, home is where you make it, but even more so like just sort of like, um, 
Yeah. Like the well, maybe, notion, yeah. Of well, maybe emotional. home is what makes you even. Yeah, too, exactly. Right? Yeah. Just like emotional geography and like sort of what does that mean? And then you can, you can sort of apply your own place or feeling to that if you want. Of, of home or travel, place and space, how much of that was influenced by the recent pandemic and the lockdown and, and sort of, you know, having gone from traveling the country back and forth on tour year after year to, to not? I'm sure it was. And obviously Pet Parade was like sort of influenced by the beginning of that a little bit. Right. There's like, there's an anxiety in there and, and, um, and like, there's a little bit of that. And this, this was, influenced more by like the middle to wherever we're at now <laughs> with, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I actually got COVID the, for the first session when we did this, oh, like, wow. I like, I like, we like finished. And then I, we were like driving away, driving away from, uh, Northern California. I was like, my throat kind of hurts a little bit. So oh, and didn't give it to anyone. Strangely, we'd been like locked up in this tiny little studio together too, for, three days. So, um, yeah, I actually made the beginning of this record definitely like had COVID while I was making it, but like, um, yeah, yes. And no, I guess it's maybe like, I don't want it to really be informing it either. So like when I yeah. think back to it, I'm like, it might, there might, uh, it may have crept in there too. Cause it's just like, there's such a great sense of weird er- stuff <laughs> with everything. Right. But like, uh, yeah, I think like that, that would have been the last vestiges of me feeling anything about that. It's certainly not overt, but I think there is like, I guess, like the kind of um, optimistic wanderlust that kind of yes. underlines it. Right. Like, yeah. and, and I think compared to Pet Parade, that's Pet Parade. That's maybe my my biggest takeaway is there's there's a bit more optimism in this. Like, I feel like in it, not that Pet Parade was pessimistic, but there was like more of a resolve uh, of, yeah. uh, 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 for what's happening. And with this record, I feel like you're you're looking towards the future and looking with more optimism and, and, and a better, and, and, and seeing that there are these great places that you can yeah. go and visit again. Yeah. I think that, that, that could be, and what, and I'm not totally sure if I knew that I was doing that, but, but. Well, that's, that's, yeah. that's the process, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the other track I really want to ask about is, is the final song on the record. Uh, Jesus tap dancing Christ. It's good to be home. Um, yeah. To me, that just sounds like a, a very Midwestern phrase. And I yeah. know, you know, you've got your Midwestern roots. Where where did you pick that that line up? 
It's super funny. I just did the previous interview that I did to this was, this is only the second time I've been asked about this song. And, uh, so I was just talking about this and I don't remember where I heard really? it, but I think it's a hilarious, it might, maybe it's like from a movie or something like that, but like, it sounds like something my mom or my grandma would yeah, say, like, it it's sounds an exasperated like, phrase. Yeah, oh, and, totally. and, and like, Jesus tap dancing, tap dancing Christ. Christ. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but I, just love it. And I had heard it somewhere and I don't know where, and I actually wrote it down um, oh, okay. in sort of like not a, and it was, I, my idea was that it would probably be the name of like an interstitial piece. Cause I was like, I didn't necessarily think like, Oh, I'll work that into a lyric. It felt like, uh, <laughs> didn't feel lyricy to me, but, but you never know. Um, and then, yeah. So it was actually like in the style of Bob Pollard from guided by voices or something where you like, you come up with the title, First, yeah, it was actually yeah. like a song title first. The Pet Parade was similar to like, um, mm-hmm. I don't always do that, but like every now and again. Um, so yeah, it was title first. And then uh, I always love the notion of like um, the uh, like the line Paris of the Plains, which is like what people would call Kansas City in the old days, like sort uh-huh, of but uh-huh. like where it was like it was old timey America where you would be like the the Venice of, the South there's some, you know, there's yep, always yep. like the something of the something I always, I was like, those are always very beautiful turns of phrase to me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, this, it's like the most kind of, I think it was probably the last song I wrote on the record too. And, and like felt very like last track, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's very much about just kind of like getting home and being like, I feel good, feel good to be here it's a, it's a great sort of resolution to the record, you know, kind of is a, is a, is a, is a nice punctuation and kind of, again, with all this idea of travel and space, then to, to really home in on home again, you know, like I liked the last line of of the record being, it's good to be home. Like I thought that was kind of a nice, yeah. Very fitting. on I so talk to me about who played on the album and and how you recruited those guys to to participate it's actually might be the first time where it's my actual live band that I've had for the past oh, cool several years so yeah Josh Adams Josh Meese David Dowda Frank Lacrasto and then so, uh, another some some guests and stuff too who mm-hmm. are all great mm-hmm. but like um yeah so it was like that that's something too, like with the producer sometimes, like, you know, it's like, you always want to bring your like live band in and stuff. And sometimes they're like, yeah, but I have this one person I want to use or whatever. So, yeah. so I was like, this is, I'm going to have my people on this. So, um, which is really cool. Cause it's like, I think it's probably, and I've, I've had all of those guys on past records. Um, and in like more smaller guest roles, but this is, yeah, this is kind of the first one where I re- actually had everybody who's been touring with me the past few years on there as well. And, and so now, so speaking of touring, you're, you're getting ready to, to tour the record 
pretty yep. soon. A few right? days. Yeah, I'll be, yeah. be out, out in a few days. I'm, I'm going to see you. You're coming to uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, first half. That's right. Yeah. So fucking stoked for that, man. Yeah, um, me too. I think the that's last time. too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. Yeah. And um, I, I'm excited because it's funny. The last time you were here with Bonnie Light Horseman. Yeah. I had COVID. And so my wife went to the show that night without me. That was me. such a good show. It was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, don't, don't, don't yeah. even tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, I don't even, be even better next week. <laughs> All right. Good to know. So have you started rehearsing? No, we, rehe- we start rehearsing on Sunday. And, and so are you excited to, to bring these new songs into the set list? Like, are you expecting the new record to, to be the bulk of the set list? I'm excited. Like, we already played, we did one festival sort of since the, some of the singles have come out and we did, mm-hmm. um, we played waking up in Los Angeles live at a yeah. festival in Key West, Florida of all places. And, uh, oh, nice. and it was, um, really cool. Like, so we'll see, I don't know. It's like, it's always weird. Like with, the uh, new songs, you're just kind of like, here you go. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, cause some songs just kind of enter the live repertoire and it, they really work. And, and some are just kind of like, kind of become B team songs. So we'll uh-huh. see. I think, all the songs are kind of jams like on the new one, I think. So yeah. I was like, there feels like I was like, we're going to be able to like make them sound good. I think they're tight songs, but there's, there's space to them and I can yeah. see them really opening up in the live context. Yeah. Do you think about that at all when you're writing or recording? Like do, does the live show play into your mindset? Yeah. I used to not like, and I think uh-huh. it was like ruminant band is where I started to think uh-huh. about that because I came from such this bedroom weird thing. And like, if you listen to the first couple of Fruit Bats records, they, they were, it's almost like it was impossible music to even like recreate live. Yeah. And like, yeah. it was, I didn't love it. You know, like I always was like dissatisfied in one way or another. And it's also, it was mm-hmm. just like early days of touring and you could, you, it wasn't like, I couldn't like afford to, to have like six people backing me up and it would, yeah. and I had crappy gear, you know, cause I couldn't afford anything. And it was like, it was so I felt like ruminant band a, it was like a live band on the floor kind of record with overdubs and everything too. But I was like, um, it was after having toured with shins and stuff too. And I was just sort of like, I, I think I want to figure out a way to make this good. And I think in a way you need to kind of like set yourself up for that too. But I still, I still wanted to have like a, a weird tinkery bedroom quality to the recordings too, but like yeah. have a beat that like kind of hit the, and that, that like you could, you could sort of like feel what that was going to feel like. And translate on, on into the life exactly. Stage. Yeah. This song from the new record comes out on Friday. The name of this song is "See the World by Night." Thank you. 
So we're talking about touring, talking about playing gigs. Uh, I'd like to ask you about what your worst show ever was. Okay, so <clears throat> this is a really good one. And sometimes I've told this story before. Um, okay. And uh, I've told this story like actually a few times before because it's like, it's such a funny story, but I'm going to tell it again. And, it. Uh, and it's, um, I've had maybe even, maybe not worse shows. It's the worst show. Um, so, <laughs> and it, it, it had, it was just bad as a show, but then it has an amazing twist to it that made it even worse, but also really, really funny. Okay. Um, so, and then I've retold this now and it's kind of one of those things. It's a pretty long time ago that this happened. And I've like, I've told the story a few ways, a few times, and I have to like sort of re-remember if I'm remembering things right. So I'm going to, I will add some disclaimers in there too, that this is. Mythologic, mythologic, uh, mythologic, yeah. right? uh, give, give yeah, the mythology I'm, of it. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. sort of piecing together the, the, uh, so this was probably 2006 or seven. Um, so pretty long time ago. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, you know, I'm in a state of like, I'm a few years into my career. I'm on Sub Pop. I think we had put two records out on Sub Pop and it was like, things weren't really happening. Like in the, in the sense of like, um, we weren't tearing up the indie rock world in the way that like a lot of my friends were and everyone, everyone had kind of like taken off and, and we were still very struggling and like playing to small audiences. And like, I was like, in my memory, I was like, fine with it but like i've also had friends be like you were miserable like you <laughs> like you were gonna quit and everything too so and i was like i was just like really struggling and still like working this day job doing craft service and i'm like um like sort of waking up at four o'clock and making burritos on film sets and stuff and it was just like oh, and, man. Then, and then touring and like just like touring and playing to nobody or like sort of it was like a, a a little bit of a rough moment but whatever i also was like pretty young and I had energy and everything too. So it was fine. Paying your dues. Paying, Paying my dues. dues. Yeah. But like, and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm five years in, like, why isn't it happening yet for me? And it's just like, come on, it's five years, but still I, I felt like an old grizzled veteran at that point. <laughs> yeah. um, so my A&R person at Sub Pop um, Records was, he was also like the head of marketing for Sub Pop and like, um, and I think retail. Um, I might be wrong on that, but he was sort of in that world. And so uh -huh. he, the, it, what happened in Seattle that year was some, uh, a conference came through town called, called the Coalition of Independent Music Stores. I don't know if this is a thing that exists anymore either, by the way, but like mm -hmm. it's the Coalition of Independent Music Stores is like a consortium of like the big indie music stores, like Amoeba, probably like Electric Fetus, Waterloo, yeah. the, like the big yeah. old warhorse, like, so it's not like Best Buy or like what, you know, Tower. Mm -hmm. Again, these are the waning days of physical media too. So I don't even know if this exists anymore, but they're not the super mom and pop shops, like the, the big in the big, like kind of indie music stores. So they have a conference every year, I guess, or did. And my A&R person at Sub Pop was in charge of the, like the, the entertainment for like the <laughs> dinner night or something. Mm -hmm. Originally, if in my memory, originally they were going to get Beck to be the musical like, okay to be like solo Beck and then they couldn't get Beck and then they were like well we're sub pop and like so then it was going to be like shins and iron and wine you know who were both like crushing it 
Um, this right. was a little bit before I joined the Shin. So it must've been 2006 actually now that I remember it. Um, so, and then I think Shins and Iron and Wine even got like confirmed or something, but then through some weird course of events at the last minute, they got scrapped too. Mm-hmm. And like couldn't do it because they probably had some huge, awesome thing to go do. Yep. So I was living in Portland or maybe Seattle at the time. I can't remember. I was a regional act <laughs> at that <laughs> yeah. time. And he yeah. was my A&R person. And basically the long story short is I became, we fruit bats became like the, the absolute last choice band to do this uh, thing. And um, we were really sort of at our like lowest point of coolness. I think of, at that time, like we were like, we'd been around a long enough and we'd kind of gotten some like bad hitchfork reviews and stuff. And we were sort of like, <laughs> kind of like we hadn't been like accepted yet in the jam and, and like Americana scene either. So uh-huh, we were kind of uh-huh. considered like almost this, like also ran, it was, it was a, again, a low point. So anyways, we're playing at the dinner literally to a bunch of like probably somewhat upwardly mobile, but also like record store clerk people who were like did not like us like that's um, a that's a tough crowd it's a a tough crowd anyway and then where we were just like i think if it had been shins or iron wine or obviously beck or something it would have been like whoa but this is like the just that kind of air that kind of pitchfork big record Mm -hmm. store era we were not like you know we were not on like the end cap or anything at like amoeba or something like so yeah, yeah this was this was like a naturally i wouldn't say hostile audience but like deeply indifferent audience so yeah it was at a venue called the triple door in seattle do you know yeah, that i know that yeah yeah for sure. it's a nice room but it's very like like city winery or something it's like you yes eat, you like eat while dinner. you watch it you eat dinner it looks it's like a like a sort of a cabaret dinner theater yeah, all yeah exactly to it and um very like a very dry space in a lot of ways. Yes. So, um, and, uh, I've been to an industry event there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, that's like a good place to have like an industry dinner slash with live. Exactly. Music. Yep. Yep. So we come out and I think I said, I like made a joke about like, you know, just the place or whatever. Kind of like, let's lighten the mood. And this is weird. So isn't it weird? And it was like, not only no laughter, but like, not even like eye contact from anyone. No. Um, and I was just kind of like, okay, so like head down, we'll just, uh, we'll do these songs and like, maybe, maybe a little something will happen here. We'll see. We'll see once we get going. Did you have the full band or was it just so the full band? It was full, full band. band. Okay. All right. So, which was like almost weirder. Cause it was just like, it's like you're firing on way too many cylinders for a room like that. <laughs> and playing loudly and then like it's like first song it's like the dinner comes out too and it's like and so there's just like waiters and stuff like dropping off like fusion thai food to these people and maybe they're hungry i don't know what they've been doing today so we end the first song and there's no there's not a smattering of applause there's no applause (laughs) and not even again just backs to us and like, um, I mean, it, we were 100% like the, the music that was just happening, you know, it was like the, the piano guy in the corner or something, or just like <laughs> elevator music or something too. But we were like facing people and, and it is so hard to like put on a concert when you have no response <laughs> at all, like, but none. And I've never, there's never been a show where I've gotten less of a response. It was like Ouch. beyond 
beyond less of a response. And utter again, indifference. Yeah. Utter <laughs> indifference. And then like, um, and even like, a, a again, like maybe another attempt at banter, like, huh, this is weird. Nothing like not <laughs> even eye contact backs to us, like, um, not a single clap from anybody. Um, Brutal. so it's bad. So there's that, but <laughs> then an incredible thing happened that made it so much more <laughs> hilariously worse, which okay. was, so in my memory, I've told this story before as if it was happening in a backstage that I was, could see like a, there was like booths or something maybe there, and there might be, mm -hmm. I need to sort of, it's been long enough that I don't totally remember the layout of, um, of the triple door, but uh -huh. what was happening also then was that the band postal service was getting presented with a gold record for five uh, for the sale of 500 a uh, thousand albums sold okay. a, a towering achievement um and i think was like had beat out nirvana's bleach as like sub pop's best-selling record so oh, right, in my yeah. field of vision um was um so you know play a song silence just the sound of like eating and also like over in the corner or in a backstage, I can't remember, but, but visible to me were um, Ben and Jimmy, both great guys, by the way, and it's nothing against them. This is just a funny moment of my life uh, being presented with gold records for a towering achievement. And they were with like Jonathan and Megan, like the heads of sub pop, like, and then people were lining up and like getting their photos taken with like the gold records glinting off the lights into my eyes. Um, from across the room as, uh, as I played to these utterly indifferent, um, like record store, uh, executives and, um, and got to just sort of watch, like just a, a reminder of my abject failure. Um, and, and it, other, an emphasis of it, an <laughs> emphasis of it. And then watching, watching up here's like incredible <laughs> success in front of my face at the same time, while also having to like, uh, choke my way through singing these songs of mine that were clearly not working so um it, on every level but it was a it was a <laughs> a low moment in life uh for a live <laughs> but i did part of me was like this is really funny that this is ha i i did think from like a movie uh -huh, my, uh -huh. my sort of storytelling movie brain i was like this is a funny scene in the movie <laughs> like because uh, like and when you're the one being humiliated, it's never funny. But I was like, this is, there was like, there was something kind of just personally humiliating about it to me. How long did it last? Did you make it through the whole set? I made it through the whole set. Yeah. I, uh, again, I don't, there's a lot I don't remember too. Cause uh -huh. it's like 16 years ago or something now, or maybe even longer. And you've but, tried to bury the memory. <laughs> um, I mean, and again, it's like, I, <laughs> I've told the story many times and it's like, I, I'm like, there's aspects of it that I really probably don't remember either, but like the, um, I remember the two things, which was the gold record thing. The gold record's amazing. Do you, do you remember anything at like coming off stage? Do you no. remember anything after that? No, I don't remember mm. anything. Like you, I remember you didn't, feeling, you didn't even get a good time meal. <laughs> I think I might've eaten. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Well, I, I hope that you don't experience anything like that on your upcoming tour. Um, I, I hope that uh, you have receptive audiences that are thrilled to be hearing the new music. Um, Things have gotten a lot better <laughs> since then. So, yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Well, yeah. probably couldn't get worse, right? That seems like a pretty a low point. 
I mean, at least I got invited to do that thing, I guess. Maybe some, maybe, maybe other bands wouldn't get uh, invited to do the coalition of independent music stores. I, I think I'm 90% sure too, um, that we did it for free, that it was free. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the publicity that you were paying. <laughs> that was, the huge right? publicity of like, yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. recognition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Anybody out there listening, be sure to check out the new Fruit Bats record, A River Running to Your Heart. It's out April 14th on Merge Records. I love it, man. It's a, been a big fan of yours for a long time. Thank you again for joining me. Um, yeah. I hope to see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. See you I'll see you. Tomorrow. It's a week. In a week. Yeah, a week, a week from tomorrow, man. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. come by say Yeah, hi. I'll see you there. And, uh, definitely. Oh. But uh, safe travels cool. out there. Say, say uh, have, a, have a good tour. And, Thanks. Uh, best of luck, man. Okay. All right. I'll All see right. you. I'll Take see you next week. All right. Take okay. care. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye, man. the end of this episode of the jam Base podcast thanks to all of you out there for listening thanks to eric for joining us again on the podcast be sure to catch fruit bats on tour now and swing by the merch table to pick up a copy of the terrific album a river running to your heart thanks to our sponsors to alive and delfest and thanks to jake alexander for helping produce the episode we'll be back next week with another episode in the meantime enjoy the 420 holiday and go see live music